This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCube, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but photos. That is one of Blake Dyson's most quoted sayings. He's a lover of life, outdoors, sports, travel, people, and charity, and has dedicated his health, vitality, and mobility to making a difference in the world around him. An outdoor enthusiast, lover of sports, committed to inspiring and giving hope to others. The founder of Love Our Trails and Brownie Point South Africa, he's creating a better South Africa for all of us. And he's on our show today. Blake, it is so good to have you on Jackpot. Yeah, thanks so much for the invite and giving me this opportunity. Like uh, that intro, I got on online. Like you are quite busy online. <laughs> I am indeed. I was trying to figure out because you, you wear so many different hats that I don't know like where the priority list is at the moment. Whether you're climbing mountains or doing stuff for charity, you seem to be very, very busy. 100%. I believe we, and business and individually, we need to be we need to be focused on profit, obviously, in a sustainable world, but there needs to be purpose in everything we do. And, and so I'm, I struggle with it, but I try to work towards finding a balance where I'm able to work in my company with CNN Co and add value to our clients, but use that to be able to empower me to do other good things with partners like a, being a f- co-founder in Brownie Points or Love Our Trails where my passion and my support is in the mountains. Well, that, that's what I want to get into before we speak about this big Africa cleanup. And that's the reason why I've got you in studio today because it's it's insane the numbers of this big Africa cleanup. I want to know about Love Our Trails. How did that start? So Love Our Trails really just started as, um, well, I spent all my free time in the mountains. It's just my happy place. Um, over the last couple of years, I've learned so much about what trails do for us from a mental health, physical health, um, accessibility. But um, I became aware of the increase in activity on our trails. And then I also became aware of the impact that people have on our trails from litter, graffiti, and just not understanding what I call a trail culture. So going out there and we walk off the trail, we don't really understand the impact of it. And and indirectly, a lot of this has to has an effect on our lives from safety and that we've recently in Cape Town seen attacks on people. Um, and I know Joburg's dealt with mountain bike attacks. So I've always wondered, like, what is our responsibility? What are we doing? And our mailed organizers or landowners, what are they doing? But I never got a real answer. And so I thought, well, instead of pointing fingers at leaders or government or landowners and saying, what are you doing? It's what am I doing? What What is that legacy I'm leaving in my community? And so I started a Facebook group that just said, come run on a trail and clean trails. And little did I know that three years later, I'd be off to Spain soon to do a talk on trails and just came back from Japan on helping write a manifesto on sustainability on trails. And in Cape Town on two trails we've done, I think it's the 13th cleanup now. And we've picked up one and a half tons of litter. In um, 30. In 13. 13, cleaner. one, three. Yeah, and, and that's over a distance of trails, which together equal about six and a half kilometers or seven and a half kilometers, depending which way you go. And we spent over 55 hours or 56 hours cleaning graffiti. 
Um, and so I do cleanups all over, but those, those are the ones that I'm documenting to really understand what is the impact. And because they're tourist destinations, like how many people go and who's responsible? What can we do to change behavior? Well, that, I mean, that's your, that's your passion, right? Is, is the trails. I watch you on Facebook. You're up early in the mornings and you're yeah. going into the, into the mountains. <laughs> and you're from Cape Town. So you want to keep not only like South Africa has a bigger picture, but Cape Town beautiful. It's a big tourist destination. A lot of oaks want to go up Lion's Head. Yeah, That's a big thing. Um, but what we don't understand, and it's it's very interesting how you've taken this upon yourself. What we don't understand as just that guy that's going up Lion's Head one day, um, that it does have an impact on 100%. on on the the park itself. Yeah, well, we so yeah's great examples. It's like we often like, oh, it's just me going off the trail. I'm just going up to the closed cave, or I'm just going to go sit on this rock and have sundowners, or I'm just smoking, but I'm taking my cigarette bud with me. Like people should stop complaining about it. But actually, one of the big effects we have is that the landowners are limited in resources, and they they contract or are owned by like a sandparks or Cape Nature or whoever. And they have, for instance, sandparks in Cape Town have like sixty different um, ranges or have a certain role. They That means that they have to help with fires, rescues, maintenance of land, trail building, education, everything. And then they're spending probably 50% of their time rescuing people that are being silly. And then also just fixing trails that we shouldn't be on because they're dangerous because we're disobeying the signage. And then by doing that, we're encouraging other people and we're sharing pictures on social media. And so then we complain, why is there crime on the trail? Why are they looking in bad condition? Or in the meantime, like indirectly, we we play a big role in that. I always refer to golf recently as like anyone can go on a golf course you've never played before and somehow you kind of get a sense of what your dress code is. You kind of don't walk in front of the player. Yeah. You don't make a noise at the right time. Like there's this underlying culture that's been there for years and not that golfing culture in my mind is perfect. I think there's a big movement that needs to change there by empowering women and a whole bunch of other things. But there is something that we can learn from that and, and we live in a world where Outdoor sports is one of the fastest growing sports. So imagine we just empowered this movement where we say, guys, this is your bare basic of like what you should know, what you should be doing, how do you respect that environment? And it can be a continental movement. Um, and if we do this, future generations won't walk off trails, won't throw their fruit peels on the ground. They'll just start behaving in a better way. And, and it's leadership at the end of the day. A hundred percent. One of the biggest things, and, and it's relevant right now because the World Cup is on, right? So we've got this World Cup fever and everybody's watching the World Cup and things are going down. But one of the big trending stories recently was uh, the, the Japanese and Senegalese teams who, who cleaned up the stadium afterwards. And there were all these social media users that were posting about them cleaning and they were like, look, how amazing is that? Like, we should be better in South Africa. Africa and and why are our soccer players so terrible and blah, 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 like blah, 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 point, pointing fingers and one of my biggest thoughts in my head that I didn't respond because I hate getting into into social media um, <laughs> debates but when last did you go watch a movie in a cinema and enjoy the movie and enjoy your popcorn and love that slushy and when last after the movie did you pick up that yeah. popcorn box and that soda and throw it in the bin yourself? And the answer is 99.8% never. 
People, so so you see someone cleaning up after themselves and you think, jeepers, why can't we do this? Like, I'm such a good human. If I were there, I would, no, you wouldn't have, actually. Yeah. You don't do it at the movies. You're not going to do it when watching a sports match. And you're definitely not going to do it on our trails. It, it stems from a habitual change that everybody needs to take that responsibility. 100%. Japan's yeah. an amazing example. I was fortunate to be there last year, but... Their, their whole culture is about pride and respect from like everything they do. They bow and greet you no matter where you are, what you're doing. It is, and who you are. They'll even leave their office to help you find the bathroom when you've asked for it in case you get lost. And not because in case you get lost, but more in case they haven't explained because of language barriers correctly and they would feel guilty and embarrassed. And so there's this huge pride. And if you just think about that, that, that means like, they go to someone else's house and they, they'll take their shoes off before they walk in. They go to a stadium and they will not leave that stadium in a worse condition because what if someone refers to them as they like in a negative space? It is just unacceptable in their culture. And so there's this huge respect and we can learn a lot from it. I, I personally, learn, I, I think I pick up litter. Well, I know I pick up litter all the time. I hardly can walk past it without picking up. But I felt like I learned a lot. And one of the Japanese trails we walked on, which actually suffered huge erosion and that and this gave me huge hope again because I was going through a dark patch last year it's been like is all this energy worth it what am I doing and um yeah, we walked on, so there were 16 of us, or 15 actually, that hiked this mountain. It was the second highest mountain in Japan. I think it was like 2,800 meters or something. It was pretty high. And um, so we hiked up, and one of our goals was to see how much litter we could pick up and to see what the damage on this trail is from it being a tourist destination. And um, this, this mountain has snow, wind, rain, everything. There was very little erosion very, very little, with a huge amount of tourists on it. And we couldn't find one piece of litter on the whole trail. And so it's super amazing. Like, yeah, there's so many incredible stories about how the community built that trail and maintained it. And it's not only relied on the parks. Leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but photos. That's that's what I found under your name online. Yeah. <laughs> it's become part of your mantra. Um, so the trails in Joburg is, is one of the things that you do and, and Love Our Trails is, is one of the big things that you concentrate on. But then, then there's this other thing that started a little while ago called Brownie Points. 100%. And what is Brownie Points all about? So, so like five years ago, or yeah, about five years ago, I realized that I had this passion for giving back and I got involved in many charities um, and I raised lots and lots of money. I know when I met you, I, so I met you. It must be now three years ago, yeah. and and you were like just as busy then, yeah. <laughs> but with a lot of charity stuff. Hundred percent. So so I found myself raising a couple of million for different charities in different places, and and with that I started understanding the real challenges that charity faced with getting money, the sustainability of it, what their outputs are, what corporates expect from them. Mandela Day coming up around the corner is a great example of this, and it just didn't seem sustainable. And South Africa is about. I thought it was 183. Latest report about 176,000 MPOs. It is a huge 176,000. Yeah. Are there a lot of duplicates and so and massive. like like there's a lot of people doing the same thing but for themselves. So so and the interesting things. Um, our history plays a big role in it. So if you look in like communities, because there's a grant system for taking care of kids. Like there's, mm, I don't know what the right terminology for it is, but they're like micro orphanages on corners of roads that the mama in the street looks after and they get a grant system and 
like some sort of funding and these things kind of fall, some of them fall under the NPO space, but their paperwork's not up to date, so it's very difficult. So out of the 176,000 NPOs, 80, about 80,000 are up to date and their paperwork's good. And government has an amazing system to support and help them. And they also recognize that the NPO sector is probably the biggest employment sector of South Africa. And so it needs, it's, it needs a certain amount of support. W- with this, I, I realize that we have technology now and I'm involved in this world and I struggled to get hold of the right person or help and I was very involved with like the Nisner fires and that. And to be able to contact someone and be like, this is where I want to help and then realize there's like 30 people doing the same thing and you're not needed and then you get a bad experience or they're overwhelmed or it becomes a negative impact. It's like, how do we manage this? How do we communicate? And then you've got brands like Airbnb and Uber and that, which have like, People call them disruptive, but I'm like, the only thing they've done is become inclusive. Inclusive. And it, it, it's, you've said it, you've hit the nail on the head. So I wake up on a Saturday morning. I want to do a bit of charity. I have an hour or two, or I have a hundred bucks or whatever that is. I have, I've cleaned out my cupboard and I've got extra stuff lying around. Where the hell do I go? Like, you, where do I start? It's impo- it literally is impossible. And partly because these organizations are not marketers or business people. They're passionate people making a difference where they could. And we all should do that. We're all activists at some point in some place in our life. And uh, we just need to pick something and do it. So I figured with my experience, with my understanding of business, my network in the corporate world, my network in the MPO space, is how do I empower MPOs to do better and to get access to the resources? And how do I mentor and guide corporates and individuals on what is really giving back? How do we do it in a sustainable way? If you're going out of your way to give back, it's not sustainable because you won't continue doing it. It has to be a part of your life and it can't be a once-off. It has to be regular. And how do we do this? So I looked at all these things like from Tinder to Airbnb to everything, like how are we connecting people, how are we communicating, how are we sharing insights and information and taking content and using it for the better. And so Brownie Points really is this digital platform that says, these are all the MPOs around. This is what your profile and your information is. And if you are interested in kids and you have studied to be a nurse or something, we can link you to organizations within your area that need that resource or that share that passion and you can give back. If you're into cooking, I recently met with a good friend of mine um, and she's a amazing like chef and does digital work. And she was like, well, how do I give back? And I'm like, well, what about just connecting with an MPO like an orphanage in your area and adopting or five and adopting five girls between the age of 14 and 16 and say one Saturday a month I'm going to teach you to bake and by the end of it you create a little link on your website that says okay so now we're going to sell corporate um, cakes for birthdays baked by kids from orphanages helping create their first job you've when just, they leave home. You've just ticked the box, ticked the box, ticked the box. I'm helping them. They're getting helped. They're getting empowered. And they could be creating a business for themselves 100%. in some way. And as a user, as someone who's who wants a corporate cake, I would much rather give it to uh, someone who's baked it from an orphanage knowing yeah. that they're going to get something back from it. It's tick the box, tick the box, tick the box. 100%. I was actually chatting to the United 
multinational one of like my dreams is to work with them and I had the opportunity of meeting with them the I other day. I was about day. to say you just dropped that. You were like, I was yeah. just on the phone to the United Nations. Yeah, they actually phoned me on Environmental Day, which is probably <laughs> the next topic we're gonna talk about and and bought into this massive campaign that we're running. But then I got meeting with them and, and they're sitting in a space where they try and understand what disruptive business is and how we can use it to benefit the world. Um, and so they've invited me to like start looking at doing talks with them about all of these things and what is a circular economy like how are we empowering people and this is a huge challenge for corporates because corporates tend to empower a small business to get to a point and once that business looks profitable then they want to own it because that isn't really what it's about like you, we almost need to be like we've we can have nine billion people in africa in africa by 2050 or whatever the date is 2023 or whatever they predict the state of which 70% are probably going to be unemployed if we don't make serious changes. Yeah. And at the moment, the only way to do that is empowering small business and the NPO market. And so having these startups and these organizations, our goal must be like the more profitable they are, the more, the more successful, the more yeah. successful I'm going to be and longevity of my brand and the more people I can keep employed without retrenchments in the future. And so our, our focus needs to start changing from like, percentage of growth per three years or four years to like percentage of impact. I love that. And once we get that right, we have a sustainable plan. And, and, and no way am I saying we can't be profitable. We need to be profitable and everyone needs to be profitable. We have an economy to run. But greed needs to, and not everyone's greedy, but a lot of people find themselves caught in this world and we need to start thinking much that, need, bigger. that needs to take a step back and we need to start thinking about the percentage of impact. I think that's a, that's a, it's a huge sweeping statement, but it's something that we can all keep in our minds daily. What is my percentage of impact in my business in how I'm helping and how do I help a brother or yeah. sister out? And it starts at home. I'll give a good example of with my domestic worker, what I've done. So she's worked with me for I don't know, probably six years now. And we've had a roller coaster. I've moved homes three times. She's had to travel further. She like taxi issues. Her daughter fell pregnant in school, had to drop out of school. Then we got her back in school. And it's been like this roller coaster. But I've tried to sit out with her and get involved. Um, and one of the things is I try to empower her the whole time. And I realized her only dream eventually was that she wants to empower her daughters one day to not have to deal with the life she deals with. So she doesn't want to be more successful. Any success she gets goes straight to her family. And so I was like, okay, well, where do I invest my time? And it was in the daughters. So I've helped with the education, a whole bunch of things. But the first thing I actually needed to do was say, your working hours change. Because I was blessed in a family, not a wealthy family in any way, but I got time with my family. They educated me from seven to eight in the morning. They gave me time. They made sure my homework was done. They ticked those boxes. So I was like, okay, well, you're working for me from... Five, uh, eight in the morning till five. I pay you fairly well in my mind for that, what I can afford and that. But a part of that is it's not your fault you have to catch three taxis to get to work. So you're only allowed to catch your first taxi at eight o'clock in the morning and you have to be home by five so you can spend time with your family. And I'll pay you for that. And if there's a strike and it takes you four or five hours to get in, it's not your fault either. It's society, it's what we've created. And I'm gonna, because I'm in a privileged position, I understand I'm privileged, I'm gonna bite that bullet. And this is a really easy example because the impact of what she's doing to her family through my flexibility 
is going to have a huge impact on her daughter's lives in a way that yeah. they're able to be educated, achieve their goals, be mentored um, and loved. And and that's one way of stopping gang it's, stuff. It's crime, a small a change. Bunch. It's a small change. Yeah. And I think it's a great example because many of our listeners do have domestic workers and and many of our listeners clock watch. So it's like, it's not eight o'clock. Why are you not in here yet or whatever? And if, and we if we you think about it differently, imagine one day a week, give wives or husbands or single parents or your domestic workers in the corporate world or the lower income people catching public transport, give them once or twice a week the opportunity to come in a little bit later where they, they have the ability to just spend time with family. That is, if you look at places in Europe that have incredible education systems, their education system isn't hugely different to anywhere else in the world. What they have done is they've said the first three years you you don't go to work, you spend time with your kids. Kids, you your kids will go to school for free because it's important, but you need to be there for them. Yeah, like and so that family support is like hand in hand with everything else. And and I think we've created this thing being like, and I recently dealt with a corporate that like this corporate bullying going. I need to get maximum out of minimum payment, so I'm gonna get a service provider. Um, let's take a magazine, for instance. I want to advertise in a magazine. I'm going to try and push them down that I get like the most ads for the minimum rate. What we don't realize is that we're squeezing them so much that they can't employ good staff, that they can't do good things. And and is our company really struggling that much that we can't deliver on it? I mean, that's <laughs> when you look at the things in, in bigger pictures like corporates, um, if you look at what you're spending to, I don't know, to sponsor an ad on Facebook, that might be more than what you're trying to squeeze from this magazine. And the reality is you can afford it, but you're yeah. squeezing for greed. All right, but, but we, we're going to stop with that. Yeah. We're going to stop with that. Otherwise, we're going to carry on for days. And we're talking about small changes. I want to talk about this big change. So you, with the UN, with all sorts of things going on, have started a campaign to do Africa's biggest cleanup. 100%. What so, is this about? So I think we met actually when I hosted Cape Town's biggest cleanup three years ago. And, um, and basically, when that happened afterwards, I realized how big a success this was. So we did five cleanups in Cape Town in one day, and we picked up 1.6 tons of litter, of which we helped build a school with the non-recyclables, and the recyclable went to Operation Smile, I think it was, and that then funded to help support two operations they did that year, and put smiles on kids' faces. And so this, this completely blew my mind, because I finally realized that there is value to what we consider waste. And, and, that, and then I started studying this and understanding it and figuring it out, and I'm like, like if we can just create value to waste and people see it differently, we'll all treat it differently. And and waste in a township to waste in a really like expensive, influential community um, or like Santon Central, like it's different. How we see it's different. Sometimes we don't see it, but the impact's bigger or different. Like, and so I was trying to get my head around how do you do one thing for everyone? And there is, what I've learned, there is nothing like that. that you can't do that. We all, we're all in a different place in our life understanding it. My goddaughter's five. She um, sorts her waste by five bins. It is the most incredible thing. She's five. She's five. So if I want to put a recycling plastic bottle in the recycling plastic bin, she will stop me first because there's another bin in case you can reuse it. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is the new generation of what people are doing in that. But in places like townships, it's slightly different because 
through history, we haven't allowed good waste systems or waste removal systems. I was going to say, how, how can a society expect someone who lives in an informal settlement to recycle when, when they don't have garbage trucks coming through once 100%. a week? How, how can you even... It, it's the same excuse, and uh, I'm not condoning it. But if you see someone throw something out of a car and you get upset... You need to understand the history and the place and who 100%. that person is and where they stand in their life because they might not know or they might not have a garbage refusal system. So so your context and your pers- perspective is very different. 100%. So it's, I believe it's all about like equal opportunity for education, for learning, for for doing things. And and that equal opportunity means like just knowing a little bit better and doing one more step um, in this case. And so... In, in a community, it's like, okay, well, maybe government or municipality or whoever's meant to be supplying this to me hasn't come to the party, but I'm now able to see I can bring an income stream from this. I can build housing out of eco bricks. I can like uh, maybe make art and sell it. I can, there are many things. I can even collect it and use that money at our school and then organize for one recycler to collect from our school and the money we get from it pays for upgrades on our school. There, there are many things, but until that is opened up and that equal opportunity is given, so it's not just the wealthy get to recycle, but everyone gets to recycle, then we can really start seeing change. So this was like an idea for ages and now presented to loads of people for like the last three years being like, we need to do a South African cleanup. We need to get everyone together. And they're amazing organizations. I think um, World Coastal Cleanup Days in September and people are doing lots. But um, this whole thing was going. And then with Brownie Points, we started working with ShopRite Checkers on like a whole bunch of their internal initiatives. They do amazing work and like they always leave me halfway in tears because of the work they do. But then um, we got chatting about Mandela Day and, and you share the same lookout on Mandela Day as me. And so I, I've, <laughs> I put it on my Facebook often. I'm like, L- listen, being in the journalism game, uh, I get a lot of press releases, a lot of press releases from a lot of companies that want to talk about the good work that they're doing. And I love that. I love, I love that people want to talk about the good work they're doing because it inspires others. I have a huge gripe with, with Mandela Day because uh, a lot of people are not making sustainable choices. 100%. And, and the only way that we're going to better South Africa and better South Africans is, is by doing something that is sustainable. So, I, I mean, I could go into so many stories of, of how people want to do one thing, go, go paint a wall for 67 minutes and then never think about it again until next year. And I don't agree with that. And that's 100%. the point that we stand on is that it needs to be yeah. sustainable. So the beauty of Brownie Points, and this is where our discussion went with them, was saying, well, yes, okay, like you have a budget to spend and you have your flagship organizations which you support. So, so let's enhance it for the day. Perfect. Not against that, like the way corporate works is you get budgets and things and let's use it to our benefit. But let's take that further and empower the individuals to find their passion and support their passion and their local community. At the end of the day, it works so well with ShopRite because they're a community business. They, they in every little community, they connect, they feed, they educate, they help, they do all these things. And that, that's their cause, this community. So how do we empower each staff member to get involved? And then through this, we were doing research and it came up that the Bloemfontein branch had been doing these cleanups and they were hugely successful from getting more clients to staff engagement and, um, 
and and so we're like okay so then we got chatting and then I kind of dropped the bombshell that like this is like my passion this is what I do I clean up like this is what my thing and so they were like well do you think we can do a countrywide cleanup so I said yes I've got a business plan and they're like okay <laughs> just, just wait let me take out my portfolio <laughs> that was pretty much it and then we looked at their their portfolio and we're like wait a minute you got stores all over Africa and so this to just short of two months ago was kind of like a discussion and then with the platform, with Brownie Points platform, being able to empower and manage volunteering, we built this together. We've used the back end of um, ShopRite who have stores all over. So we have a basically a logistics opportunity. We can People can pick up bags and gloves from local shops. They can host cleanups from their local shops. We're empowering each shop manager to have their own cleanup and communicate to their local community to get them involved. But then more than that is it wasn't called the ShopRite African Cleanup on purpose because this is an African cleanup. This is all of our cleanup. So for instance, it's not, it's not a corporate's responsibility. It is every single one of ours responsibility. So amazing things like, um, a friend of mine who has a a property business in Mauritius mailed me yesterday and was like, we hosting one in Mauritius and love our trails. Now one of our brands that support love our trails has been like, cool, let's jump on. They're going to host one on lion's head. And, um, there are a couple of other companies which have contacted me. They have said, um, how do we get involved? Can we host one? Yeah. And so I'm helping going on Google Maps, looking, helping them with those venues just to make sure that they're legit. And in the background, I'm trying to connect with all the recyclers. But this recycling world is so complex because the cost for petrol and collection and that, and then the value of like paper and plastic is they don't meet up. So things need to be compressed and, and put into places for them to click to make it valuable. So I'm really trying to understand this world in the background and be like, well, if we're doing a cleanup in... Alexandra or, or maybe even Benoni or whatever, who are those trolley pullers, those sorters, those waste collectors? Who are they and how do we communicate to them? How do we and get to them? Because this will benefit them. I want them to sort on venue, clean up on venue what is valuable to them and go and take it and sell it and make profit. But I, more than that is I want the community, I want us as, as the people buying and wasting to understand what the value to them is and what the potential value to us and how this affects our economy and our world that we live in. Because if we all start changing the way we put rubbish out, the way we sort rubbish or how we put it in bins, we'll empower these people even more. And the amazing organizations like Petco and Polyco, which like like Polyco funded a vehicle for a couple of them, Petco have done a couple of things like that, where they're empowering them and helping them grow their little businesses and mentoring them through it to be able to scale. But there is a bridge and the bridge is us as a consumer is we need to be aware of it and we need to do our little bit and yes we know a recycling company when I buy it but my, the way I, I put that out the way I treat it I wash it before I put it in I don't throw a tea bag in my plastic content like let's just be it's conscious the, I think it's conscious and a big word that you've mentioned a couple of times it's responsibility you need to be responsible with your trash um, you're making it so so understand that I have I met you three years ago and through that and through uh, Catherine with Miss Earth yeah. and and the glass recycling factory and all these different um, people that I've met along my journey I started recycling Amazing. and I am I, I've got four bins outside my house I know what goes where I've got a it's called a digester. So that's where all the food waste goes um, and that becomes compost and I vouch 
every week when the garbage man comes, my garbage is is less than a Woolies bag Amazing. that I'm giving back because everything else goes into recycling. 100%. It just it just does that. Um, okay, so how many how many sites have you got on this big so African cleanup? At the moment, that I can guarantee, it's it's 490 cleanups across nine countries, of which about 400 are in South Africa. Yesterday, I confirmed I just, I, another I need, nine. I need that to sink in. Say that again. So, 490 cleanups across nine countries, and 400 of them are in South Africa. But we, we can host more. more. I mean, you can host yeah. your own. So, yesterday, I had another nine, I think it was, sign up to host their own. And then I've just gone through the approval process to make sure that it is accessible and safe. And, yeah, and so we'll probably be up to over 500 very soon and no, 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 we'll no, no, just no. keep you're, going. You're, so. on, you're on the good things guy jackpot. <laughs> We're going to push that up to a thousand. I want to I wanna, um, end off today with uh, with you just giving the website where people can go log on and register. 100%. So the website's super simple. You literally just log on and there's two two little links. The one is I want to volunteer or I want to h- go to a cleanup or help at a cleanup. You just click on, you fill in, I think it's five little things and then we keep you up to date. We send you either a message or an email saying remember to be here and afterwards we're going to ask you for your experience which is like a little star thing you just say what your experience was and what this does is it, it helps us understand what people really think of waste and and that, and to also know who's really been pitching up and taking part in what you collected um, the other side is there's another little box that you just click on and you say host my own and there are also about five things you fill in I'll be in contact with you personally and we can see if we can host that and help market it and the the platform and our marketing platform with it will give people the ability to log on and you'll see all the cleanups in your area. So the website's called Act for Change. So that's um, for as in the word for. So actforchange.africa. Amazing. We're going to put that link in this podcast as well so that people can get it. Um, It's been amazing catching up with you. I'm going to have you on the show again because you've got so much going on. (laughs) We want to discuss the different hats that you wear. Blake Darson from Love Our Trails. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's another jackpot. I'm Brent Lindekew, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a jackpot podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Iona FM, or Play FM. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.